Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for Local Missions Chronicles. We decided at the beginning of the year, after we finished the Local Missions training program, to just have a couple interviews throughout the course of the year with students who had gone to the program and who are out serving in North New South Wales churches. And so today we've got Lily Grace and Talia Ibbins, who both did Local Missions training, which for those of you guys who don't know, was a stand-in program for Arise. And because of the lockdowns and all of the governmental stuff, we were prohibited from doing a rise and getting all of our speakers from overseas and whatnot. So we did a local version of a rise and called it local missions training. And so some of the students went out and about and wanted to continue their journey of training and learning to be better Christians and servants of the church and its mission. And so they went into different churches and Leah, uh, sorry, Lily and Talia they, they've been serving in Raymond Terrace. So girls, thank you guys for doing this and having this chat. No worries. Yeah, no problem. We, if, if those of you guys who receive our newsletter, you'll see that this, we had an interview at the beginning of the year, six months ago, basically, not the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, mm. and just got a, a sense of who these girls were and why they felt God called them to do training with the church and, and go to local missions training program. And now they're at the end of a six-year, sorry, a six-month volunteer stint. And so I just want to to start our, I want to get you guys familiar with the experience they've had and help and have them share what God has done in their lives and just, yeah, just talk with them about their experience. And so before we begin, and I ask specific questions, you guys, do you want to share any just general basic reflections as a person who has done basically a year of discipleship training, you know, where you've just said to God, I'm going to give you a year of my life and where that leads, I don't know. And I'm going to go to this local missions training and I'm going to do this local missions volunteering. And yeah, here I am. I'm a year down the road. Do you have any general reflections, any basic feelings about your experience thus far that you just like to share to start the conversation? I'll go first. I'm Lily. I have been serving at Hamilton Church for the past six months. But to reflect and just to look back, it's gone super fast. This year has gone really fast. But looking back and seeing where God's led definitely hasn't turned out the way that I've planned. As you all would be aware, lockdowns happened pretty quickly into my ministry at Hamilton. So two months in, I was actually sent back home. Well, not sent back home, but I was already up at home in Byron Bay, and that's a bit far from Newcastle. And so I actually haven't been back to Hamilton since. So my ministry has looked a bit different to what I've anticipated, but God has still blessed so much, even not being able to see people in person and connect that way. I'm still making those connections and still doing ministry in a more modern, modern society way of doing it, I guess. Yeah. In a more like on the computer way. Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what do you mean by that? Like you're, you were able to still maintain contact with people in the Hamilton area That's from right. a distance? Yeah. So I had a few contacts um, that I'd made at Hamilton along with some kids' Bible studies. And so I've been able to continue doing that um, weekly. And so that's still, yeah, been really good. Yeah. Praise God for that. Hey, any general reflections to Leah? I have been working at Raymond Terrace and I've been here for the last six months now. And yeah, like Lily said, definitely has gone really fast. But general reflections, I think it's 
really cool. Raymond Terrace does things a little bit differently. They have a juice bar and an op shop, and that's actually one of their main forms of ministry. And so it's been really cool to actually see a, a new perspective on how God uses people to reach others in the community. Before I came to Raymond Terrace, I was under the impression that the only sort of ministry you could do was door knocking or canvassing or direct Bible studies. And it was so cool to see that there are actually so many ways that God reaches people. And I've been able to be a part of that. And being here, it's been super cool because I like to think of Raymond Terrace as like a frontline sort of church. Like we have more like the church was coming in and, and experiencing church for the first time a lot of the weeks. We have new guests every single week. And so it's been cool to see how differently things are run compared to the churches that I'm used to back at home. It feels more like a family, like a big family that are just coming together. We we have meals and stuff, which is something that I didn't realize the importance of that beforehand as well. We have breakfast and lunch every single Sabbath. And that actually brings people together like you wouldn't believe. The amount of people that have come to God through meals at RTM is just amazing. So yeah, there's been so many new experiences and I've felt so blessed to be able to be a part. This is a random question, but it's in my head and I can't get it out. So I'm going to ask it. In your six months of working with your respective churches and Lily, yeah, you're away because of lockdowns and you got stuck up in Byron when you were hoping to be in Hamilton. But you did get two months at Hamilton and you did work from a distance and and do service for God and for the Hamilton church. So was there an individual person that you would say that has been, I don't know, a bigger blessing than anyone else to you in the last six months? Who is that person? And why were they such a big blessing to you? I can say for me that, yeah, there's many people that I met at Hamilton that did stand out. But one in particular is actually a church member from Hamilton reached out to me and said, hey, I would love to connect you with my daughter. I've been wanting her to have Bible studies. She hasn't always been involved in the faith or in church and a godly influence. She's around your age. I'd love for you to meet her and to connect with her. And I was thinking in my head, yeah, sure. I'm happy to serve, happy to connect with whoever I get in contact with down here. And boy, did that just, when I met her, it was like, we were just, we just clicked. It was like, I felt that God had sent me down there just to meet her. And I was able to talk with her and she shared a lot of her personal struggles that she'd been through. And I felt very similarly to our struggles that we could relate. And I just felt like God had put me in her life at that moment to help her with a certain struggle. And we've been in contact ever since. We've been doing Bible studies. I'm going down there this week to meet up with her and connect and Just having her in my life and knowing how God can literally, we're on two separate sides of New South Wales, and yet he brings us together and has helped us and benefited both of us was a real encouragement of me. Yeah, for me, there's definitely been so many people that have influenced my journey since being here. I probably on par have two because one was an answer to prayer and the other one was really there unexpectedly. So the first person was definitely a friend that I made. She was another Bible worker that was here. And at the very beginning of the year, I'd actually prayed very specifically for a friend. And I forgot about the prayer because I was very personal. And anyway, when I met this person, I started to get closer with them. I remember Aisha, who I live with and work with at RTM, had actually said to me, oh, didn't you pray for somebody like this? And I was like, I actually did. I totally did, didn't I? And I have become really good friends with her. And it's been really amazing to be able to connect with someone who's been through very similar experiences to me. It helped me realize where she's at. I can also get to a point where I can heal from a lot of the things that I've been through. It was just really cool to have that confirmation that things do get better. But probably the most influential person is actually my Bible contact. I started doing Bible studies with this really beautiful 
on fire for God Lady and she just totally inspired me to get back into reading my Bible daily and back into trusting God and praying about everything. It was amazing. Like when I do Bible studies with her, she was talking about how like how she just wants to give everything to God, how much she loves God. And the more she talks about it, the more I want that. Even though I've been baptized, you know, I'm doing Bible studies with her. I'm so encouraged by the way that she's on fire for God. And she's just helped me out in so many situations where even if she didn't have the help to really offer, she just gave what she could to help me. And it's really meant a lot. I don't know. It was just to see God just working through her and just working on her heart. It's amazing the transformation that's happened from before to now. So, yeah. So, you know, I used to Bible work for years, like where I just did nothing else but find people to study the Bible with. And it really taught me to study the Bible, really, ultimately. If you're in a position where you have to share and you're pushing yourself and you're being pushed by the Holy Spirit and those around you to give as many Bible studies as you can, then you encounter various views and dispositions and arguments and different levels of resistance to scriptural truth. And that puts you in a position where you need to be a capable communicator of scripture and you have to comprehend what you believe and you need to comprehend it well. So it really, if you're a motivated person, it puts you in a position where you're studying and you're really studying and you're digging and grappling and wrestling with texts of scripture and the truth of God's word. So Mm. it's very good. And I noticed, so I would say that one of the best, one of the best results or best effects of Bible work for me personally was how it forced me to really confront what I believe and and figure out whether I really believed it or not. And for myself, not hearing an answer from someone else, not just believing something because I wanted it to be true, being confronted with a challenge, say to a certain viewpoint or a doctrine, And then going, oh, like, I got to figure this out Mm -hmm. and going to God and wrestling with texts of scripture and digging into commentaries and just really seeking and finding answers. So is there any experience this year where like, I'm not experienced. So I guess here's my question. Is there anything you know about the Bible now that you didn't know before you were in a position where you were sharing it with people? Like any truth that you've confirmed in your own personal studies or Something that, or even if it was just like an aha moment where you're like, oh, I see it. I get it. Whoa, that's true. Yes. Somewhere where God spoke, is there an occasion this year in the last six months where God spoke to you from his word and showed you a truth where you got it and you saw it? What do you think? One of the sermons that we had at um, RTM was by Paul Gillen. Uh, He did this amazing sermon. God just really worked through. And he was actually sharing things about misconstrued lies that Satan tells us. And it was actually so eye-opening to realize that Satan doesn't have any power of his own. He actually just takes everything that God gives that's good and just turns it into something bad. But on his own, he has nothing. And that really helped me within myself to be like, wow, Satan's actually nothing that great like we need to acknowledge that God is so much bigger than anything and everything else that's happening in our lives and it doesn't matter how big our enemy feels God is always going to be so much bigger than that and another thing I learned was that in my bible studies I actually learned how to pray which sounds weird but in we have echo bible studies that we were going through and as I was going through the scripture and as I was finding all of these verses I was realizing that there are things that are expected of us when we pray and there are things that we're asked not to do when we pray. And by realizing that, that put me in a mindset where I'm like, wow, God literally deserves every single ounce of respect that we have. And when we come to him to talk to him, it's a private conversation. You don't, when you're talking to somebody, like if I'm talking with Lily, I don't go around on the streets yelling out what we're talking about because it's not for other people to hear. 
more. It was so important for me to recognize that when I pray, like I'm having a conversation with God and I'm coming to him and I'm asking him to, to help me and forgive me and help me get over the things that I'm going through. And at the same time, asking that his will would be done in my life. It was just really cool to be able to better understand our main form of communication with God. Yeah, I, I have an experience that kind of sticks out, not necessarily where I had to give give an explanation, but I was on this Bible study with Justin and Sharissa Tarosian, who I was under at Hamilton Church. And there was this one instance where we were at a lady's house, a Bible study contact that they had found. And she had so many questions, like a very intellectual, philosophical person who just you know, wanted these straight answers and couldn't necessarily grapple with the understanding of why could a loving God do this and how is abortion wrong and all of these questions that I'm like, whoa, I'm here in some kind of intellectual level and her understanding and what she wanted answers on were really above me in my understanding. And so I was just sitting there, I was just taking it all in and the way that Justin, Pastor Justin handled himself and answered the questions thoroughly and coherently really inspired me and made me understand, oh, wow, that really makes sense. And that would be a great argument to use. And that's a good point. That's a good quote. So for me, it was, and I had numerous experiences where I just watched him and I just looked up to him and I I saw what he did with that person and the way that he answered so well. And that's what helped me and encouraged me to be like, I can use that same technique. And I've had it. So good. That's so interesting. And it, it alerts us all to the importance of finding individuals who are advanced in knowledge and experience and participating with them in ministry and learning from them, right? There's no church member who is barred from finding another church member or pastor or evangelist or Bible worker or whoever, just any person who's got knowledge and experience and who's a capable you know, soul winner and, and going to Bible studies with them. Because look at the blessing that you receive from that. Hey, that's like a lesson. That's like a big lesson. And yeah, that's awesome. I, I've experienced the same thing in my life where I've been around people who were advanced of me in experience and, and knowledge and like in a study and being able to handle objections and keep their cool and not be competitive and stay loving and gentle. And at the same time, have really thoughtful, reasonable answers and good questions to ask mm-hmm. people. And when you see that happen, it's, whoa, that can be done. That can be done. That's amazing. It's and it's just like the whole, the, like dots connect in your head, right? Like. It's from the theoretical to the practical. Whoa, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, praise God. Hey, that's awesome. The other day I was looking at the local missions training graduation, just a picture of it. And I was thinking of all the people there. And I don't think that anyone that graduated from that class has left the faith or has left or has separated themselves from God. Do you guys, you don't have to name any names, but is there anyone from our 12 person class that is no longer worshiping God? in the church, walking with Jesus. Anyone? Can you think of anyone? From what I've seen... Don't name anyone. Just say... Yeah, no, many, no, no. From what I've seen, everybody is still a Christian. Everybody still hanging is on. Still, yeah, everybody is still connected with God. Obviously, I can't comment on anybody's personal life because I don't communicate with them or anything. But from what I've seen yeah. visually, everybody is still just in, in love with God as they were before we left. So... And I've gotten tabs on most of the gang. Like I've gotten tabs on most of them. Not all. That's why I just brought the question up. I just was going to say, Talia and I haven't, and Aisha, we haven't stayed like all in touch um, with people from LMT. We probably have to dig a little deeper and ask some questions to them if if 
we know. But no, everyone's still attending church, going well. Yeah, and I looked at, as I was looking at the pictures, like, okay, I, I've talked to that person's pastor recently. Those three people are still in church, and their pastor said that they're doing really well, helping out with this and that and being active. And so I just wanted to make the point. Do you guys, or just ask you guys, do you think that we could choose 12 random people who Adventists, 12 random Adventists who are under the age of 25, just 12 random under 25 year old Adventists who in the next, who in a year from now will all still be in the church? Yeah. Yeah. I think we could. Yeah. It would be a shame if we couldn't, wouldn't it? But I, I, but I was just going to say statistically, no. Because all, all of the research. No. Yeah. yeah. All the but research that's done in. Well, I, I just guess based on like what I've heard from um, all of the people that were in my class, everybody has become more active. Not to name anybody, but I know that even just with Lily and my home church, people have stepped up into leadership roles and they are taking classes and running the Sabbath school. And it's just been great because before that wasn't happening. Mm. And they've taken that initiative initiative to step up and say you know what I do want to be a part of helping other people learn and yeah just from hearing that I remember doing those classes with you as well like statistically yeah not many youth do stay in the church but I have a lot of confidence and a lot of hope that this lessons that we did for the last three months were foundational and there's just structures being built around that foundation that are going to be long lasting yeah. yeah so I just the people that we were even in class with really like they were all just amazing and unique and God used them in individual ways all the time and I have no doubt that even if they did stray from that path for a little bit they would remember that feeling of what it feels like to be so deeply connected with God that you mm-hmm. couldn't stay away for long anyway no I genuinely I agree with everything I think yeah it was an experience that we never forget and to have those fundamental truths laid out before you to to depart from them is a is a grave dangerous thing it's funny because i definitely think lily what you said is true right like to you could there would be a group of 12 random under 25 year old young adult Adventists who in a year will be in the church but i said statistically because the number of young adults leaving the church is staggering that's like the exit door time frame for most young Adventists, and it's usually there's lots of reasons and i couldn't articulate on or comment on all of them in this time frame but I think one of the main reasons is that, they, that for a lot, they'd never really taken ownership in their own spiritual experience, but rather were just along for a ride. And it was a ride that most of them didn't really want to be on. So they just, once they became autonomous and old enough, they just booked it because they were never really there in the first place. And so I think a lot of times we think people are leaving the church who were never in it in the first place on a personal spiritual level. It was like an external kind of lifestyle reality. And their parents, it's a culture thing, like their parents, their family, their friends, and it's just what they were raised in. And so everyone around them thinks that they're Christ's. They must be Christ's because they've adopted a Christian culture. They say the right things. They go to the right places. They don't do the wrong things. And so they're Christians. And then they become 23, 21, and they're gone. And we're like, why are they leaving the church? And we tend to blame it on the church. Like it's the church didn't accommodate for them or whatever. But oftentimes it was that the church failed to minister to them sufficiently so that they would really be converted like in the first place. But I, I want, I'm making this point simply because statistically speaking, a lot of young adults leave. But when we compare those stats to what we're seeing from a rise and training programs like local missions training, mm-hmm. it's completely different. Now mm-hmm. you, there's tons of kids who came to a rise who decide later that this isn't, that, that Jesus isn't for them, that they don't believe these truths anymore. That happens. Of course. Jesus lost lots of disciples. Judas is one, but in John 6, he had lots of disciples who took off. And yeah. but there's lots of angels in heaven who departed. And just because someone leaves, 
doesn't mean there's a fault of the God or of the church or of anything. Sometimes there is, but I'm just making the point that generally more young people stay in the church when they participate in the ministry and they get involved. And so, I th- and I think really it's because in your mind, and I'm not speaking for you guys, this is just what's been my experience as a young guy who at you guys' age went to a discipleship school like LMT. It was like, instead of thinking that I was coming into a building that was to serve me once a week and that I was like a judge where I judged the experience. And if the experience wasn't good enough for me, Mm. then I felt offended and I left. It was like the consumer mindset. Like I come in, you give me a certain service. And if it doesn't meet my satisfaction, then I leave because I'm dissatisfied with the service. I transitioned from that mindset to the mindset of, wow, like I am brought in, I am a part of the, the ministry of the church mm-hmm. and I am responsible to make this the best possible place that it can be. And is there someone who's standing alone with no friends? I want to go make sure that they feel welcome. But there's, I, I just transitioned from what John F. Kennedy said in the 1960s. He's, don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. I made that shift where it was no longer, what can my church do for me? But what can I do for my church? This is my church. I'm welcome here. This is where I belong because mm-hmm. I was converted. Well, do you know what I'm saying? And it yeah, was like, because well, I saw that I had a part to play. And then that became fun and exciting and awesome. Mm-hmm. I never had a bad day at church, and it was because I was taking responsibility for the, the church. I felt like, is it, you know what I'm saying? At all? It became your role, and not even that, but if I buy a new car and I tell you guys to come go for a drive with me in my car, it's not your car. So at the end of the day, it's not going to be something that you are particularly attached to. You're just going to be like, this is a cool experience, but I don't really feel anything necessarily towards this. In the same way, when kids are growing up and they become teenagers or young adults, if the faith is not their own faith, but rather their parents or their friends and they're just following along, it's not going to be something that they become attached to or feel necessarily a part of. And even just in the comments you were making, like when you see it as something that is your job, like your role, something that you must fulfill, something that you look after, you'll have attachment to it. It becomes important to you. And not necessarily going back on what you said before about it being like the church failing, it's not even it's not even that, but it's that all of the church members should be a part of helping young children grow up in the way that they should go because it's not just up to the ministers and it's not just up to the pastors or the deacons to do all of that but it's up to every single individual member of that church to put an effort to reach out to people because we have people I have people that I know that neither of you would be able to reach and the same goes vice versa there are people that only you can reach that God uses you to get to those people. If you decide that you don't want to do that because of all of the higher ups jobs to do, you're completely missing an opportunity for somebody else to experience what you have. And also in that same sense, you can't share what you don't have. You can't expect to be able to show anybody the love of God if you don't feel that yourself or if you feel like you don't have that. And mm-hmm. that's why even like with what you were saying, Bible work, like door knocking, it wasn't something that I was interested in before LMC. And then the moment we started getting involved in it, you feel like, wow, this is something I can do. This is something that I can do to help my church, my community. And yeah, 99% of the time it doesn't work. But in that 1% that it does and somebody does answer the door and they want to do Bible studies, it makes up for all of the losses. Because one person now has like a genuine curiosity about heaven and that person can now go on a journey to then one day be in heaven, which is just an amazing thing in itself. Because it doesn't yeah, matter totally. if nine nine people walk away, one person decides that they want to be a part of heaven one day, all of heaven rejoices. Just over one person that repents because it's an amazing thing in itself. Yeah. And then you also just gonna 
touch on that one thing. You also are now more capable of communicating with anyone anywhere. So the training that you receive in intentionally going out and interacting with people, it prepares you for those just normal social situations where the Holy Spirit opens a door and you're just not scared anymore. Yeah. And regardless regardless of whether you decide to convert your life to Christianity, regardless of that, you will grow as an individual from like these training programs you just learn new skills new habits good like even good eating habits like I had horrible eating habits before I went and eating good food for six months changes your mindset like you just feel healthier you feel more alive you feel like you have more energy and so if nothing there is always going to be some benefit from doing these training program programs so Lily you were going to say something before did you remember what you're going to say because I was just, I was saying that I, I noticed that more, there's just the fact that more people who get involved in ministry end up staying in the church. And I think it's like the biblical principle is, it says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, the liberal soul will be made fat, which means the person who's generous ends up having more. If you're greedy and stingy, you end up having less. So it says the liberal soul will be made fat yeah. and he who waters will be watered himself. 100%. It's like the biblical principle. Yeah. Yeah, there's even that Bible verse that says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And so I look at it, I 100% agree. I think it's these programs and whatever ministry events that you know churches are able to take out are so beneficial. But I want to look at it from the perspective of like, it starts with the individual desire to actually be a part of those programs, correct? Because Without actually, you may feel forced or you may want to, but there has to be a shift in your perspective of like what you were saying, Matt. Once I realized that this church, I wasn't the one attending this church. It was more, I need to be involved in the church, not just, there's actually this thing called the revolving door syndrome. And it's actually like a phenomenon where people just go to church so that they can, if it doesn't suit them, they go from one church to another. So they're constantly in this cycle of, if this church doesn't suit me, I'm out. And so getting that person to stick with the church and to be involved is the most important key. But before that comes the desire, before that comes that motivation to stay. And we can only pray and hope that they have that desire by seeing who Jesus really is. I think. Yeah. And even like what you just said, just made me think like, we don't go to church that church caters to us. Like we go to church that we can be transformed to be more like Christ. And if we came in with the mindset of we're here so that people do things for us, it's more, we come and we do things for God and that naturally will make us better. So true. Yeah. It, and if you love God and then you love and you love his message, then you're going to love his church mm-hmm. and you're not going to come to the church as a judge, like looking down and being very critical of people and hypersensitive about yourself. And I, I noticed that tracks when you carry, and this is a challenge for lots of young people, especially when they're not born again, is you come into a church setting and you're very insecure and you're very self-focused. And so you carry that with you. And then that generally is what you're around you because that's what you're emitting. That's what you're putting off. And sometimes you can't see like the beauty that's there. You can't see how God is at work there because you're carrying in this kind of selfish negativity. And yeah, and I'm not saying that this is the case with all young people. And I'm not saying that the church doesn't have a real big responsibility to love our young people and to make them feel welcomed and wanted and a part of who we are and what we're doing. I think it's both of those things are important, but yeah, like if, when we invest in young people and young adults and when we give them something to do and really spend time with them, teaching them the fundamental truths of scripture 
and answering their questions and being there for them on a personal spiritual level, I think we see what you, what the Bible says we'll see. People stay in the church and they become active and they love God because what's there not to love? Like when they can see that this is the best possible option for any human being, this belief system, this lifestyle, when they see it, when they get it, it's like very unlikely they'll choose to depart. Now they will, but the odds are less. Mm. They, some will is what I mean, but the odds are less that people will leave. Yeah. I just want to make a comment on um, what you just said, because when you do go into mission or when you want to go into service for God, there is a level of uncomfortability, right? You're having to step out of your comfort zone. I'm still a young person. I'm still classified as youth. And I totally remember even this year being in my home church, hanging out with my friends, sticking to that group, not really, you know, going out of it. And when I was doing Bible working in Hamilton and I pretty much knew no one, I had to make that step out of my comfort zone to talk to other people, to minister and serve in that way. So yeah, my comment is, when you go into ministry for God, no matter your age, you will have to get out of your comfort zone. Totally. And the more you're willing to get out of your comfort zone, the larger your comfort zone becomes. And people who are just focused on being comfortable end up being the most uncomfortable people in the world because life does not always allow you to enjoy circumstances that you're comfortable with. And if for Jesus' sake, you decide to get out of your comfort zone for him, mm, you become a person yeah. who can be comfortable outside of their comfort zone. And life is just a much easier place to be in. And yeah. Hey, so we got to, we're basically out of time, but I'm imagining to Leah some gem of inspiration to close us off with. I'm just guessing because I can see you and, and I know you and I know you're, you always got lots to say and it's always good stuff too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh, inspiration. If God wills to inspire, I would probably say that it going on what Lily just said about comfortability, it definitely can seem scary or it's not your responsibility to reach out to people if it's like somebody else could do it. You have unique characteristics and such a unique personality that God is able to tap into and use to reach other people. And there will probably be times where you have thoughts, nah, there's not much that I could do, or I really don't know how I could work for God because I'm so busy all of the time. How could I possibly make like specific time? But like I was saying earlier, there's so many different ways that God uses to minister to people. It's not just going out and door knocking. It's not just handing out literature. It's not just doing Bible studies. There are so many things that you can do, which will only take about five seconds of your time, such as carrying around glow tracks and handing them out to people that you meet. It doesn't take a lot of effort to be able to do that, but divine appointments will happen where God will give you opportunities to be able to reach people. And that is so empowering to know that God can use you and it's, it's totally able. God was able to use Joseph when he was just a slave at that point, thrown into a pit and left on his own. And he was to use Jonah even when he ran away and didn't want to face any of the problems that God had asked him to face. God uses people who are broken and unable and mm -hmm. unwilling and unfit and he makes them able and he makes them worthy. So don't ever put it in your head that oh, that's too uncomfortable for me or oh, I've got social anxiety. I couldn't possibly go up the front and help somebody else or, oh man, that's just, they want to get involved in that kind of side of things. I'd just rather look after myself. Trust me, there is nothing more rewarding than helping people who love God because when you love God, you love others and when you love others, yep. you're naturally loving God. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So well said. Hey, praise God for that. The Apostle Paul, he says, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. 
And so praise God that you guys have chosen, you know, to believe in the Lord Jesus and the truth of his word. And therefore you speak and you've gone out to the churches and spent six months of your lives there. And I want to thank you for that. And yeah, thanks for joining us uh, for this uh, little interview. And I know that the church members that will have listened will be blessed and appreciate mm -hmm. you guys and just know that they support you. And we've got a lot of fantastic spirit-filled church members who love the church and who love its mission and who love to see people like you guys getting involved and active in their faith. And so anyways, yeah, God bless you guys. We'll look forward to seeing the rest of you guys for all things evangelism next week. Take care.